Look. Waj, what are your demands? I don't have any. Waj, why are you doing this? Proper dinghy rapids. Sorry? Proper dinghy rapids, bro. Fast track. Straight on rides. Like Alton Towers. No queue. Are you like fun fairs then, Waj? It's not fun fair, bro. It's a theme park. Fun fair. How old are you? Alton Towers got a spa, bro. Welcome to the Anglophiles, a podcast where two Americans talk about British pop culture, TV, and movies. I'm Sheldon. I'm Danny. And we are back, baby. We're back. <laughs> I mean, it's it's another one of those. We're we're bad about getting things out every two weeks, especially in the summer when we go to weddings and things are opening up and closing down. And yeah, it's it's a wild ride out there. Yeah. So our our posting schedule is a little weird, but thank you anyone, everyone who listens. And uh, we also have uh, realized lately that we've been doing a lot of movies and a lot of newer shows, and we are definitely going to try to do an older British classic show. Yeah, we've soon. we've got a couple on the list that we're like, all right, we now we have time to devote to this. Yeah, so you know, I'm, we've got some of that good stuff that. I would say most of our listeners like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the like British sitcoms from like the eighties. Um, yeah, we've we've got some of those coming. So I'm excited too. Like the the ones that we have on our list. Like some of the ones, the comedies especially, like you say, have come highly requested several times by yeah. many listeners. So yeah. it's there. There are some that it feels like kind of like when we finally jumped into Father Ted. And then you're like, oh, I get it immediately why everyone has been recommending it. Like, sometimes you just completely understand, like... We haven't done Father Ted, though. <laughs> we watched it all. Did we watch it all and not record a podcast for it? I've never watched Father Ted. What am I thinking of? <laughs> the Vicar of Dibley? Maybe. Well, I may be doing that. We're going to cover Father Ted soon. What's happening to me? <laughs> this is at the start of the podcast. <laughs> this could be a wild ride. Um, well, what else is happening? We've just been traveling, going to weddings. There's been a lot of stuff happening. Um, do you have any news? Any British news? Oh, yes. Um, so, I mean, right now, a big thing that's happening is the Olympics. Yep. So, like, it's not just British news. It's worldwide. I mean, a lot of amazing things are happening whether you like support the International Olympic Committee or not, or like or support whether or not there should be sporting events happening right now in the mm. midst of COVID in Japan, yeah. I think everyone can at least come together and appreciate the high level of accomplishment that a lot of these young athletes are pulling off. Um, it's been a really cool uh, game so far with some amazing stories. Um, and there have been several Brits who have come away with medals. Um, especially the swimmers. Um, there there was a, a men's 4 by 200 meter swim, 200, 100, they all got gold. Um, they got synchronized platform diving gold, cross-country mountain biking, like a bunch of silvers as well, and, and a lot of um, a lot of really neat events too. Like it's, it's not just like the classic events that Americans are always watching, like triathlon and everything, <laughs> but um, Britain won several silvers in uh, taekwondo and like canoeing, judo, there's a lot of amazing um, representation, I think, happening there. But something else that's um, really funny 
I, I can't find the picture right now. I saw it earlier, but Tom Dean is a swimmer for okay. um, for England. He won two golds. Um, he won it for men's four by 200 meter freestyle relay and the men's 200 meter freestyle. Cool. He is going slightly viral right now because he knitted a tea cozy to hold his gold medal on one side. Or I don't know if he knitted it. He's saying he did. I'm sure somebody just gave it to him. Yeah. But on one side, it has the British flag. On the other side, it has the Japanese flag, like for where he won it. Um, So I'll I'll find that. We'll put it on our our socials. Such a British thing. But I just thought that was the cutest way to celebrate. Like, I've got a little tea cozy for my gold medal to sit in. (laughs) That's so cute. Yeah, I I I loved that. that. Well, that's so cool. Um, I do have a couple emails. Ooh, great. So I'm going to read them. Um, two, uh, from listeners that we, uh, receive emails from. We have received emails. Okay. I was like, what does that Um, mean? We, we received one from Catherine Ashworth. Yes. Um, this is because we were talking about treacle and, uh, our Ooh. last episode. Yes, in one of the... Uh, and yeah. we were like, what is it? I have no idea. it's not something that... I mean, we have it in America. It is not an American thing. Right. Really. So, um, yeah, I think you find it at, like, British import shops, really. Yes. So, or, like, British pubs have it. But what, what did she say? <clears throat> she said, treacle. Hi, Danny and Sheldon. Hope you're doing well. The discussion of treacle and regards to the fudge reminded me of somewhere we used to go past when I was a kid and visiting relatives. The Sabden treacle mines. <laughs> treacle mines? <laughs> I'll tell you more about it in a second. She says, this is also the same area where the Pendle witches came from, a famous witch trial in the 1600s, and people still climb Pendle Hill on Halloween, Catherine Ashworth. And then she linked to the Sabden treacle mines um assuming i'm saying that correctly um so i'm clicking on it and there's a whole thing i guess it's in lancashire it looks like there is a treacle mine so what is it like a root what is it i'm like i'm how am i like more stressed out by it now knowing that like they mine for no no no, they don't get it from the ground they don't they don't they just call it a mine. <laughs> no, it says um, many people living in Lancashire during the first 40 years of 20th century knew about the Sabden treacle mines. Above Sabden Village, where the road winds over the Nick of Pendle, on both sides of the road, there are signs of excavations. These mounds of earth, looking much, very much part of the moorland, are supposedly the original sites of the entrances to the Sabden treacle mines. Those curious to know what happened to the mines were told stories about treacle-eating boggarts that the area was best avoided in the hours of darkness. But what is, what is it? You're, you're not telling me what it is. Most regarded these stories as huge jokes, and anyone who believed that you could dig treacle out of the ground were just plain daft. This is exactly what the PIE agents, the treacle miners' secret army, wanted the uh, curious to believe. The stories of treacle-eating boggards have continued to this day, and Bill Dewhurst in the 1980s became the managing director of Sabden Treacle Mines Limited. Um, so it looks like it's a tourist center. Is it, I thought it was just sh- like, like a sugary, like a syrup, like a uh, molasses. 
It is. But I don't understand anything you just read me. Did you read me a joke? Did you read me, like, I don't know what just happened. Okay, so I I just Googled treacle mining, and it says, treacle mining is the fictitious mining of treacle, similar to molasses, in a raw form similar to coal. The subject purports to be serious, but is an attempt to test credulity. Yeah. Credulity. Credulity. Okay. Um, So it's kind of like... Well, you did it. You tested me. What's the thing in America? Tested me up good. That you prank people with the like gullibility test. It's like go out oh, in the and bushes like, catch and catch a snipe. And, yes, a snipe, a snipe hunt. So, but we, I mean, they exist. But yeah, okay, but it's but it kind of like of that. Things. Yeah, okay. So yeah, where I guess it's just a joke where you like tell people like, oh, you can mine for treacle up there. Wow. So, but I guess there's like an actual spot where you can. It's like touristy and you can visit it. So speaking of, I did like the other part of her email <laughs> where she mentioned that the. Um, the hill that was dedicated to like Pendle Hill. Yeah. That it's still visited on Halloween, which makes me happy. I love that it's that. like I like when you see things that are universal like that, that Salem, Massachusetts in the US is a huge spot around mm-hmm. Halloween. Yep. Thank you, Catherine. That was a really good email. We learned yeah. we actually learned quite a bit. Um, I so don't they... know how much is true. <laughs> no, I just told you. <laughs> no, um, and that's what, but you're testing me. You're testing my credulity and I don't, I'm, I'm only buying 90% of what you're saying. We also have an email from Julie. Um, Julie. Julie Evans, who uh, sent us a box of treats. Yeah, I think um, we're eating some of her treats today. Julie said, um, hi, Danny and Sheldon. Thanks for the latest podcast. I'm still an avid listener and continue to hope that one day you will produce an episode on the 1970s sitcom Porridge, starring the much-loved and missed Ronnie Barker as prison inmate normal Stanley Fletcher. Interesting and sad fact about the show is that Richard Beckinsdale sorry, Beckinsale, who played Fletcher's cellmate, Lenny Gobder, died very suddenly and unexpectedly at the age of just 31. Though much younger than Ronnie Barker, he was a popular actor and his death was a tremendous shock. He has a famous daughter you may have heard of, Kate Beckinsale, mm-hmm. who was an actor too, and she was only young when he died. The writing is brilliant, and I feel the show is very British. Just a reminder that there is a contemporary remake, but it's the original 1970s BBC series I'm talking about here. And then Julie went on to um, give me a bunch of English phrases oh, to give to you. Because you were saying that you'd been running low. Yeah. Well, people send them to us, but it, a lot of them are either ones we've done or ones that you already know. Because I, I know every no, word you, you test you, me you with. Don't. That's but, the thing. But, okay. but okay. I'm scrolling through <laughs> and Julie has included a lot of things that I've yes. never seen. So. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll use some of these maybe on this episode. We'll see. We just might. Um, well, thank you, Julie, for the email. We definitely need to review porridge. So <laughs> The way you said that makes <laughs> it sound like it's a food, though. We need to review porridge. I'd review porridge, the food, and the show. I would rather Actually, watch the show than eat porridge. We should try English porridge when we review porridge. Okay. I'm not excited, but oh, I'll do porridge it. Porridge is delicious. Do you like oatmeal? I don't like a lot of mush. <laughs> okay, well. So, like, mushy texture just isn't my favorite. So, like, if it's prepared right, you know, like, maybe there's a better way. And I've, I grew up in the Midwest. We don't do fancy breakfasts. I see. So, it could be delicious, and I have porridge just had is awful ones. Great. Um, well, do you want to talk about our topic? I would love to. Okay, we are reviewing. Today, a movie. A very um, dark comedy. It is Four Lions. This came out in 2010. 
Um, it is directed by Chris Morris, who is well known for like a lot of very off the wall dark comedic humor in uh, TV shows and movies. Did you look at his acting credits? Um, I don't, I don't know if I know him from his acting credits. Because I mean, I know he's done like Jam and other things. You know something he's been in. What? Because we watched this whole movie last night, Four Lions. Yeah. It's wild. It's dark. It's funny. And today I Googled the director to talk about it on this podcast. And I, I meant to look at his directorial credits. I accidentally clicked on acting credits. Interesting. And then my mind was blown because the director of this movie, you know him from the IT crowd where he plays Denim Renum of Renum Industries. Oh, Do you remember the boss? The, yeah, first, yeah, the boss first boss before Matt Berry. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I yeah. love him so much. That makes so much sense why... Yeah, I mean, he feels like he fits right in with that crowd, um, with this crowd. Like, yeah, he's got a lot of wild, dark humor. Oh my gosh, that just really blew my mind, because I just wasn't expecting the director of this movie to have been someone that I knew from a comedic show like that. I yeah. don't know. I love him in the IT crowd, so... Yeah, um, but we're not talking about the IT crowd today. Cool. We're talking about this movie, Four Lions. Um, a very dark comedy about... Muslim extremists. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I've been meaning to watch for years. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, I don't know if I was in a, the right headspace to watch it. Because it does sound like something, especially for us Americans after Borat, like we didn't grow up with like Ali G and, and a lot of stuff that satire is not as popular in the U.S., <laughs> especially like biting satire that really holds a a lens at society. It's not big and it really wasn't big at the time. And so it just, it made me more nervous than me wanting to seek it out and Mm. watch it. And well, I, I didn't know about this. So you, this, you had never heard about it until I, I put it on. I had never heard about it until you said we should watch it. And I yeah. said, I don't really know what it is. And, and you were like, let's watch it. So we watched it. I had no idea. And then so you the, went in blind. Yeah. Blind. And Oof. then in the opening scene, they're like recording into their camera in front yeah. of a flag holding a little fake a gun. A tiny little gun. Um, and I was like, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> It's it's one of those movies where when you realize what it is and you're watching it, it's it's I don't want to say it's shocking, but it's it's very bold. No, I think it's shocking and on purpose. Like I think it it really aims to constantly keep you guessing. Yeah. And it aims to unsettle you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think what just kind of surprised me is I know that both Britain and America have been trying to move um past uh the islamophobia yeah that happens when close-minded people get very scared so i knew that britain had uh, made steps to like overcome this yeah and so <laughs> watching this i was like this is um this is bold well i i and i think I think that's the whole point. It's not getting over Islamophobia or getting over racism. It's 
I think looking at our own prejudices, what we see and what we put upon others, especially people who are different, who are literal terrorists. Like whenever we see any sort of like terrorism that happens in a country, no matter the skin color, it's a horrific event. But then I think a lot of the times we want to put intelligence on the people that did it that we think they're these grand masterminds yeah and i love the idea that like no a lot of the people that can be talked into doing stuff like this mm-hmm. are not that intelligent that like it it can i think they're very well can be criminal masterminds yeah and there are certainly some that do operate and and create atrocities yeah but i think also there are so many very, very dumb people that should never be around weapons. It's true. And explosives. It's true. And I think the, I mean, I we're, we, we already jumped feet first. Like, I think the ending really points a lens at that, that we know from watching the whole movie, the extremists, the terrible people here are not the devout Muslims, are not the ones that are doing things that are morally different than us, like these devout Muslims that are putting their women in a cupboard because it's not allowed by their religion, like not even looking at another, like those, because they seem different, everyone's deemed that's the threat. These are the dangerous ones. But really in the course of the movie, it's the people that embraced Western culture more that can fit in with society that actually were the ones seeking to destroy it. And that, I think, is a really powerful so, message. I agree with you. Um, and I did... I was looking up reviews of this after we had finished watching it because I needed someone else's opinion other than just mine. <laughs> and um, Roger Ebert did review this. Yeah. And Roger Ebert was, to him, saying this was basically a skewering of um, fundamentalism in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Which is true that, like, no matter what religion or belief there is out there, the fundamentalist view of it is the scariest. Yeah. And it can happen in any religion. Yeah. So, any, anybody can be radicalized, honestly. <laughs> well, this is one of the more serious discussions we've had on well, but, here. But this but that's is what a I think this, comedy. Yeah, it's a comedy, but it's, like, it's an important comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's one where, like, I think a lot of the times... Comedies can just exist to make you laugh and then they fade away into the night. I think a good, any good piece of art evokes emotion. A really good piece of art evokes more than one emotion. And like this one, I feel like throughout the whole thing, it really has you going a lot of different ways. And like you have a sinking feeling about three quarters of the way through Mm. of what the ending is going to be, that it's the only way it can end. Well, I don't know um, storytelling for like... But I mean, but not in the sense of of film and storytelling, but just in the sense of what they've set up and what we know of what they're trying to tell. But I'm just saying like you watch this movie and halfway through you know how it's going to end. I didn't. So whenever you were watching, how did you think it was going to end? I wasn't thinking of the ending. I was just watching I, it. I, I'm not saying I sit here and think of the endings while I'm watching a movie, <laughs> but I'm saying there is a lingering feeling of dread of knowing that these men will go through with it. That I knew for certain in the movie, there none of them are surviving. That is the movie they're setting up. Did like do you not? Did you not feel that from it? Oh, I mean, 
Huh. I mean, I thought that was like a very powerful part, like, especially whenever, um, God forbid me, I forget the character's name, whenever he dies blowing up the sheep. From that moment on. Yeah, when Faisal dies blowing up the sheep, from then on, you're like, oh, this is not going to end well for any of them. As it shouldn't. But... But then still, like, that's what you, like, towards the end, you still have this glimmer of hope, like, of, of them on the phone together, of him running around in that orange monster suit. The honey monster. And thinking, like, this might be okay, but you know it's not. It won't. Ooh. Um, what are, do you want to talk about the characters? Yeah, let's talk about the cast of this movie. <laughs> Like, because that was something, too, I knew of this movie, and I knew Riz Ahmed was in it. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised by the rest of the cast in the, in the best way. But, like, yeah, so Riz Ahmed, who out of this group has probably had the best career since then. Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, um, Sound oh, of Metal now, show? Oscar nominated. show that he was in? There was a whole show where he was, like, the main character. Oh, I don't remember. But, I mean, he's had an incredible career. Um, And then you also have um, Nigel Lindsay, who plays Barry, who is um, the only white one of the the Muslims, um, who I thought did a phenomenal job in this. I've never seen him in anything like this before. He was really good. He was so good. Um... And he's somebody that's also like, I know I really need to watch Alan Partridge because he's like a big part of that. Um, But then there is also um, an actor that we really love. Who? From What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, He plays... Haven Novak. He plays uh, Nandor in What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. And it's funny because, like, I looked at you and I was like is that what's is that Nandor and you were like I think it is yeah because he looks different um yeah because I mean it's a decade ago too what's interesting is that the tone of this reminded me a lot of what we do in the shadows how we was like slightly documentary style but not quite and then um just how it's so I don't want to say dry but, like, it, it, it's just really funny. So, yeah, yeah it, it reminds me a lot of what we do in the shadows. Yeah, you can easily see how he got that part. Um, and then, uh, I mean, speaking of the, uh, the character Fessel, um, the actor, Adil Akhtar, is also working like crazy now. Um, yeah, he looks very familiar. Yeah, I mean, he's in the show Sweet Tooth, which I really love. Oh, he was in The Big Sick. Yeah, he was in The Big Sick. He was also in Enola Holmes. Um, he's been working with Netflix a lot lately. But uh, but yeah, he's been doing a lot. Um, and then also in this movie was um, randomly Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> that was so weird. With his little Kangol hat. When he showed up at the end... Getting out of the cop car? Uh, yeah. I bet you're an arse man, aren't you? Oh my god, that was so <laughs> random. Because oh. he was such a big name at the time. I mean, he's still a big name. Yeah, but, but then the, he was huge. To show up and just be this tiny little role? I mean, yeah. Wild. And like, recognizable, but almost unrecognizable at the same time. Like, he doesn't have any of his normal gravitas that he usually does. Um, and then there's a- also uh, the actor Craig Parkinson, yes. who um, has been in several things that we have done on our show, including Misfits. Yeah, he's great. Um, 
love him. I thought he was like a really integral part of this movie for me. Yeah. Like whenever they see him again at the end, like the line, it sticks out. Just him saying, you boys are going to be dead in those costumes. Yep. And then they respond, but it's for a good cause, right? Mm-hmm. And then he confirms, right? Yep. And you're just like, whoa. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Like, even right now, I'm floored. The- there was a lot of that in this movie. That kind of like double meaning. Yeah. And it's fascinating because I was reading up on this movie and um, it, you, you mentioned that it was kind of shot a little, not necessarily like a mockumentary, but like the, the footage... It is a lot of like almost found footage and almost like CCTV kind of like Mm. their long camera angles. It's definitely they're making it out to seem like this is like special services have um, been spying on them. And we're we're looking at like footage that is like shouldn't be seen. Yeah. Um, And a lot of it apparently from the director and the way they created this, he very much was like kind of inspired by some of the other like American comedies at the time were very heavily improv based. Mm. And he was like, I want to take some phenomenal British actors, give them a script that's like 98% done Mm -hmm. and let them do some improv with it. That's cool. And not everybody apparently loved it. Some people were better at it, but Nigel Lindsay was like shocked whenever he kept like been he was given lines like in between takes and as somebody that was like a trained actor like him yeah. it, it was like unheard of the first <laughs> time any director had said like now for this take say this instead oh gotcha which as like an american comedy performer that is happening to me on every single shoot yeah i know going into it i'm gonna read what's on the page yeah and then i'm gonna do it a couple different ways yeah but it's unheard of for a, a lot of Brits, especially like very well-trained, like theatrical people. Yeah. Like the word is gospel, but not in this one. They were like, nah, we're going we're to do what we want. But then they also filmed some stuff like out in public without really getting permits and telling people mm-hmm. what they were doing. Interesting. So a lot of the stuff at the end <clears throat> near the marathon, they may or may not have had rights to film what they did gotcha and they're like real reactions from people watching them interesting well it looks really good yeah um what are some of the most memorable moments for you i mean the funniest thing in the entire movie (laughs) is when they shoot a rocket launcher backwards trying to take down a drone oh i didn't even remember that oh my god i laughed funny so hard that was funny because he has he has it wrong yeah he has it faced the wrong way (laughs) and the idea is that like they're they're going to this camp where um like al-qaeda is radicalizing muslims and it's essentially like a a a boot camp like you're going training a, a training camp like you're gonna go and learn a lot of the ways you're gonna get connected and then bring back some extremist ideas to where you're from maybe like bring back yeah. armed people um, and it's clear that they're awful at this like <laughs> neither of them like it, it's very funny to watch like oh okay these are actual terrorists operating and then these two are just like interested in like selfies and like getting yeah. sending videos back how, home uh, what, his Waj. name is Waj yeah he uh, 
<clears throat> was trying to take a selfie of him with the gun and then shot in the air and they were like no and they took his phone and smashed it. yep <laughs> he was so... so dumb and he was i was trying to get my pics bro <laughs> yeah because <laughs> that's all that it's about like it's so <clears throat> surface level for them they haven't really thought out anything they're doing and they think they've thought it out they think they have a grand plan but anytime somebody gets pushed slightly yeah like they get so defensive about what the plan is and they oh no 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 yeah <laughs> Um, um, what's yeah, that, a moment you like? Well, I really was laughing when, um, Faisal, I think, yeah. ha- was, um, putting the explosives on the, the crow. On a crow. It was so funny and so... It was so sad. Because I was like, that one crow is gonna get blown up. And that's what I mean. It's that lingering sense of dread in the but movie that I feel. Him that it's... sitting next to the crow and talking to it about, like, alright, you're gonna fly over there. Yeah. And you're gonna do this. And, and you just know, you're like, he's not gonna do any of those The crow was just kind things. of acting with him, and it was really good. That was a good crow actor. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then they blow it up. Of course, it's not the real crow that blows up. Um, it was sad, but it was funny. Um, what else was really funny? I mean, I thought every time that they would argue about, like, all right, what are we going to blow up? Let's blow up a mosque. <laughs> Why would we bomb a mosque? And just, like, it's that... I, I don't know. It's the the really funny, like, out outside looking in... It's a very humorous conversation. But to these extremists, like, you can't change his mind because his mind is so made up that if I do this thing, it's going to have the reaction that I'm imagining. There's no other reaction in the world. And that's going to radicalize people. I did it. I planned it out perfectly. Yeah. But it's terrible. But it's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Um, Um, I also really like when um, Omar's brother came over and... Um, then they got into a water pistol fight. That was a great <laughs> scene. He, his brother was mad that his son, that Omar's son had a water pistol. He was like, that's bad. Like, I can't believe you, like, give him a gun. And he's yep. like, it's a water pistol, bro. And then his then at the very, very conservative brother, like, won't, won't even talk to Omar's wife. Because yep. he's like, won't talk you're to a her, woman, won't I, I won't talk to you. But then he, like, grabs one of the water pistols and starts shooting Omar. <laughs> and that's just such a funny moment where it's like, he was so against this. But as a like just a human being, if if your sibling squirts you with a water pistol, you're gonna do it back. Like yeah. it, it's just undeniable. So. But then he was kind of <laughs> right in a way because at the very very end in the credits, like when he gets arrested, the police hold up the water pistol and show it to him as if like this is all we needed. Yeah, this proof, is the weapon. Proof. <laughs> um, my favorite scene, other than the the rocket launcher, which is so funny, is. When they're singing Dancing in the Moonlight in the oh, car. Yeah, because it they, cuts they, from like... And they basically drive away from the city and are about to go on their mission, their yeah. suicide mission. And then they put on some music and it's like really like getting them in the mood. And you can yeah. t- you see it in their eyes. They're like scared but proud and excited yeah and then it and just... it's very like it is very middle eastern sounding music that um there's like not no words it's just like these like intense instrumentals that are building and and then it cuts <laughs> just them singing dancing screaming in dancing in the moonlight that was really funny <sighs> yeah that was really good oh i also really love when waj is just so dumb and it, he's one of the most tragic characters um but I absolutely love when he's on the phone with Omar mm-hmm. and he's like, you're confused, Waj. No, I can't be confused because I I just took a picture of my face and it doesn't look confused, bro. It's not my confused face. Yeah. 
That level of dumb where you can trick yourself out of things. Yeah. To me, it they seemed so much like George and Lenny from Mice and Men. Mm. Like almost identical to those characters, kind of how they're treated each other. Yeah. And ooh. I do love when they go to the training camp and they're um chickens in there and Wadge is like these, he thinks they're rabbits like, these are rabbits and almost like those are ducks and he goes or, no. those are chickens yeah and he goes no those are rabbits and he goes yeah well if the rabbits wear their ears and he goes I know he goes exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> he's so dumb he's so dumb he's so cute <laughs> Right, like he's he's really entertaining, and not in the way that I think the um the other guy, the like uh the wannabe rapper, is like he's just dumb in a way where you're like you're gonna get everyone caught. You're that level of dumb. Like at least Waj isn't getting people caught in in the UK. Yeah. Like he was dumb in Pakistan, but yeah. <laughs> I mean everything that Waj says is perfect. Um, like honestly, every line that that actor says in this movie is so good. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned that they improvise some things and like, I laughed really hard when you can just hear the actor saying like softly after like one of Omar's rants, he says, um, fuck baby bell cheese. (laughs) And I don't know why it was so funny, (laughs) but apparently it's improvised. And it, to me is one of the funniest things in the movie. That's really funny. Cause that is somehow... Like, such a Western thing to, like, be so mad at this little, like, capitalist branding of cheese. But, of course, you should be mad at that if, like, you're an extremist that thinks that, like, people... uh, Oh, that's really funny. I really love that. I love every time you said rubber dinghy rapids, bro. Yeah, they kept talking about going to Alton Towers. Yeah. Which, which, I guess, is a theme park. Yeah, it's... You should look up... I looked up a little of Alton Towers. You can, like, see uh, videos. I've definitely heard about it It, in other British shows. They talk about Alton Towers. It's like a more... I mean, it's like... So, like, Six Flags? Yeah, but more, like... I'm not going to say adult, but, like, I think a little older than, like, children's park. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. um, Yeah, Yeah, he kept talking about the rubber dinging rapids. The rubber dinging rapids, bro. (laughs) I love that. And I also love whenever they're suggesting that they needed to blow something up. Not a mosque, but something. Not Mm, boots, not the pharmacy. Yeah. Not uh, a kebab shop. We got to blow something up. And then Waj goes... Internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Blow up the internet. Well, it just also made me think so much of the IT crowd. How Jen mm. is so convinced that the internet is this singular, it could be in a box. this little box, and that yeah. if you break it, you've broken the internet. Yep. Yeah, it's stupid, but it's funny. Um. Well, you want to take a quick break and have tea time? I would love to. All right, let's have tea. Okay, welcome to Tea Time. This is the part of the podcast where we have a cup of tea and try a British snack. Um, We've got something special today. First of all, what kind of tea are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking a vanilla chai. Mm. Um, As usual, I'm a little chai boy. You love chai. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a green. I do love a black tea, but um, it is at night. Yeah, we tend to record at night, and and I'm not... Yeah, I think since I don't drink coffee or anything, I'm not that affected by caffeine. Like, Interesting. Yeah. I don't well, know. I'm drinking a green tea, and we also have a treat. And this was something that was sent to us by Julie, yes. who wrote in. And this is Round Trees Fruit Pastels. 
Or pastilles. I think it's pastels. Mm. Well, in Harry Potter, they say pastels. Puking pastels? Yeah. Um, I always just imagine they were French. Pastilles? Yeah. Like the Bastille? Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I thought. I figured. Okay. Um, but what's interesting is I they came in this little tube of foil, and I took them out and I put them on a plate. Now that I'm looking at them i think we've had these before like i think that they were in i think well like i a think a bag like or i think maybe, we've tried these before maybe they were like in the pick and mix or something see and that's what i think that i think we've tried something very similar to this i don't think we've had these specifically have we interesting i don't know they look very familiar they but do look we're familiar. gonna try them we're still gonna eat them all <laughs> there is a yellow one a green one an orange one a red one and a purple one and can you guess the flavors? I mean, we're going to go lemon. Yes. Lime. Yes. Orange. Mm-hmm. Now is when it gets tricky. Oh, yeah, because it's red. There is Red is every flavor. Um, I'm going to say strawberry, though. It is strawberry. And then this is currant, probably, right? Blackcurrant, yeah. yeah. That's one thing that I... Which we had more of here. ...adore yeah. about British candy is if there's a purple... You know it's going to be a delicious black currant flavor and not a stupid grape flavor. And not even like the grape flavor in the U.S. doesn't taste like grapes. No grapes it's taste like good. grape flavor. It tastes like medicine. I, I hate it. Hate grape flavor. I don't so, like it. Yes, we love black currant. Yeah. So let's. Are um, we going to try that one first? I'm going to try the strawberry one. Here we go. I don't think we've had these. The texture is not quite what I would have expected. Which one did you try? The lemon first, of course. Like they're, they're firm, but I mean, obviously they're very chewy. The consistency is in between a gumdrop and a jujube. Ooh, that's a very good comparison. It's more firm than a gumdrop. Yeah. That's the only other. But it's not as hard and tacky as a jujube. Yeah. But the outside, like, I think you kind of expect like with a gumdrop to be able to bite away at it. And then this you can't. I don't think you could take a full bite and leave half of it. I think you would have to just chew the entire thing. Which isn't my favorite candy experience. However, the flavors in this are really, really good. The strawberry one is so good. I just tried the blackcurrant. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Mm, chew yep. that up. Mm, that one is really good. Mmm. There's also something on the wrapper here that says, can you resist the chew? And there's another British candy we have over there in the box that says, try the chew challenge or the... Interesting. I think that they're suggesting that you try putting one of these in your mouth. And not and chewing it. Basically sucking on it until it's gone. I'll tell you what. What? I could not resist. I like I, I have ADD. That's one of the things like... Maybe one of the lemon or lime or orange flavors because like yeah. those are flavors I don't love. Oh, but see, I would still want to chew it quick and then get to the ones I do like. <laughs> <laughs> the orange flavor was really good, but uh, to me, the best ones so far are the strawberry and the blackcurrant. Wow, this is a really good candy. I really yeah, like... Yeah, I like the citrus a lot. I think that's a very good lemon flavor, good lime flavor. Well, you can have those. Yeah, I think um, this is a really good one. I like it. I think, like I mentioned, I don't love that... You have to eat the whole thing. Yeah. Like, it is very chewy. But yeah. the the flavor is so good These in that. These are good. Yeah. I, I like the consistency. 
And that sugar on the outside is really good. It's it's a nice texture. Yeah, and I think you get it before you start to get the other flavors. So it's like it's a uh, a good little yeah kind of precursor. Yeah. Well, that was good. That was a good snack. I would absolutely eat these again if I had them, yeah. which I think I already have. But um, and they, um, I mean, they've got a packaging that I really love too. Like this little green roll. Um, mm. Like I used to love growing up and having like little sprees. Like oh. my brother and I would love having like a stick of those. And those came in a roll or like too. or Necco wafers, just in a little roll. I, Rolos. Rolos. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Stuff. candy in a roll is delicious. I enjoy a candy that you can like peel back and take a little bit and then like replace the foil mm-hmm. and be like, no, no, I'll have it later. As a <laughs> I like that. I like it a lot. Uh, let's get back to our topic. Yeah, let's do it. Um. So. One thing that we talk about on this podcast with a lot of the British shows and movies that we cover is, um, could this work in America? Could you no. do an American version of this? We talk about things like Faulty Towers, The Office, the yeah. IT crowd. You know, could that be adapted uh, and done in America? What do you think about this movie, something like it being done in America? I think... Not only could this not be done in America, I don't think this could be made again in England today. Interesting. I think this was a very specific time before people weaponized Twitter and social media to like make cancel culture crowds. And like, not that I'm saying it's a bad thing that cancel culture is happening. I think a lot of people are rightfully getting their feet held to the flames for things that they've done. But I also think it would be very, very hard to get something like this off the ground. Yeah. Like, if people hear of this, like, we all saw what happened with that, the Netflix cuties thing, where, like, nobody even watched it, but everyone had an opinion on that movie of yeah. what of what they thought that that was about, where nobody saw the dang thing. Yeah. And so I think it would be the same with this nowadays, where, like, people would just say, it's a movie about Muslims. It's a comedy, a quote-unquote comedy about Muslims wanting to blow up and be terrorists, where it's like... That's not at all what it is. It kind of is, but really it's not at all the movie. Our neighbors are having a party, I yeah, think. it sounds like it. <laughs> On a Thursday evening. <laughs> but um, But what, what do you think? Do you think this could be an American movie or... No. Just because the, the satire here is so... I don't want to say subtle. That's not the right word. But the it's... satire, I feel like... I feel like this is a very intelligent movie. Yeah. And I feel like mm, that is not the word that you would use to describe most American audience. Especially now. Like modern days, this is not the kind of movie that Americans watch or have ever seen. And like it shows when this debuted at Sundance, people didn't know what to think of it. I mean, a lot of them couldn't understand their accents Mm. because I think one... British accents baffle some Americans for for some reason. Like some Americans cannot understand a British accent, <laughs> which is funny. Well, to I think me. it just depends on what region of the UK. And I think that's part of it is that they had accents in this that are unlike ones that we're used to. Yes. And on top of it, some of them have like the kind of dialect of of knowing a, another language before learning English. Whereas like in America, was... like we have our own versions or our own thoughts of what kind of like. Pakistani people, their accent in American is well, very different. Some of the characters, I think Omar and Waj especially, were kind of going back and forth between um, a, a Pakistani accent yeah. and their whatever. Is it Sheffield? 
Where does I think this so. Place? Yeah, I think it's, it's. They were kind of like going back and forth in their accents. It took me a minute to like catch it, but um, yeah. So that was interesting. But yeah, I don't think that that uh, an American creator could make this with American no. actors, um, because I think yeah, I think it would be rejected yeah. before anyone could even see it. Well, so. and I think we also just have uh, very much a problem in our country with actually accepting like fault for terrorism and Mm. holding people accountable for it Mm. and so i think the people that find four lions funny wouldn't find a movie about this in america funny yeah and the people that don't find four lions funny would definitely not find it funny (laughs) if it was in america like i I think it would it would be a hard sell i get what you're saying yeah um well is there anything else that you want to cover with this um movie? yeah there i mean there are a couple of things like there's not a, a ton of trivia for this but um like one of the things like i mentioned they shot a lot kind of guerrilla style like they didn't have permits and part of it was that it was just like it's way cheaper to do it that way it's very much like independent filmmaking yeah but because of it like Riz Ahmed turned down the movie whenever he got offered it because he's like, this is like uh, one of those independent films. Like, this could ruin my career. Like, or it could get you typecast. Like, yeah. and so he was really hesitant to do it, but it had to be like begged to get involved. He's so good at it. And this. he's so perfect. Um, but then he also said, because he's kind of the most serious actor amongst all of them, um, that like whenever they were doing all of their improv lines, like he couldn't keep it together. Like he would break... And then because it was, like, a whole crew and a whole cast of, like, no egos, like, there's no big ego on set, he was also having, like, trouble keeping in check because he said he's an actor that, like, plays well off of other egos and can, like, puff out his chest. And so he was, like, it it was weird, the people that could just, like, turn their characters off immediately. And for him, he's, like, no, no, I want to keep in this, Omar, I want to keep doing this. But just had to kind of get on board and be, like, that's not this movie. That's the movie I want to make, yeah. but I just have to let go. And they all just trusted this director so much yeah. that there are times where like, they literally had to be running in those suits next to the London Marathon and be filming. <laughs> and then they would, like, it says there's so many like shots and takes that they couldn't keep from that, mm. from what happened there. Um, wow. Yeah, it. I think... It's just a movie that it seems like it's fascinating that it got made. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm baffled by it. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, uh, a couple of the other facts. Um, so Barry, the jihadist group leader, the, um, he was based on a former BNP member, uh, uh, member of parliament, the, the extreme far right members of parliament. So, like, apparently in real life, there's, like, a former, like, very right-wing person who was attempting to, like, out-knowledge the Asian youths that he was, like, assaulting. Wow. So he studied the Quran and, as a result, converted himself to Muslim. Like, he studied it so much, he radicalized himself. Interesting. And so that's what Barry is based on. I was going to say, yeah. He he seemed like the most um, extreme of them yeah which is funny with him having been a convert so yeah yeah um but it makes sense too you know yeah for sure like that definitely seems like a real person um during the credits like they show they uh kind of explain a lot of like what happened and the bazooka firing backwards 
apparently yes. killed Osama bin Laden, Omar. which is a funny joke. <laughs> a strange coincidence, almost exactly a year after this movie debuted, Osama bin Laden was killed. Interesting. Like, five days shy of a year. Well. Like, that's, that's kind of a little wild to me, strange. too. Strange. Um, I guess, and then the... Um, like, they had the cops called on them a couple of times, like, especially for the blowing up the sheep scene. I think the explosion was too big and cops didn't expect it. Yeah. Um, so, like, those are, I think, all the, the fun facts I have. But I also love, I just want to point out, like, the foreshadowing in this movie and how it is, like, so sad and beautiful. Like, so much of what they talk about in the beginning of not wanting this to be, like, is what it, the outcome is. Mm-hmm. Like, that they mentioned they don't want to blow up a mosque and then they say they don't want to blow up like a boots a pharmacy yeah they don't want to blow up a kebab shop and that's, and that's where exactly what that's they exactly where they blow up yeah that's really interesting it's so it's like you want to say sad but it's not because it's like it could have been so much worse you're like if they had planned this better like they could have like we in America have lived through when somebody bombed the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. Know how horrific that was. Yep. And so me, whenever I heard that they said the London Marathon, I'm like, yeah, that's how this ends. And like, I'm getting chills thinking about it because that event is so in my mind. Yeah. And then just watching them like stumbling through an empty streets because they they themselves can't. They don't have it in them to go to the marathon. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's wild. Dark, I, it's, poignant it, ending. It's also <laughs> really interesting too. The the like it's such a funny movie, but then it does take a turn, and they keep the comedy in. But like when basically Omar goes to say goodbye to his wife, who's working at the hospital, oh. and he he goes to walk up to her window to basically say goodbye. Today's the day we're gonna do it. Yep. And but there's cops at her window, and so he has to kind of just come up with a clipboard and, and and basically say try to say goodbye. And he's what does he say? Like, I'm I'm uh, me and the boys are going up to the roof. Yeah. So um, I'll see you up there. Yep. Basically, yep. They because that's the idea is that a lot of I guess the people that think they martyr themselves. Mm are going to skip the line mm. in heaven. There's a long line to get in, and most people have to wait to get in. Yeah. But by martyring yourself, you skip the line. Yeah. And that's their general idea. Um, that was which, really... That was... Oof. Yeah. I, but I, I, like, I'm glad you I brought... I up a little I'm bit. I'm glad you just brought her up, because I think she's another example, too, of how much... I think of how much people... Again, another person who's not a radicalized individual, not somebody that we think of a religious extremist, yeah. can still be somebody to push somebody to do terrible things. Like, she's almost gleeful the whole movie about what he is going to do. Yeah. She's, like, excited for her husband to kill himself and kill other people. But... And that's, like, how happy she is about it, though. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's a good... But it's interesting because that she would you know um support his extremism but she's also talking back to his brother who is a conservative yeah and being but like then, you you lock your women in a cupboard blah 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 blah. she's like i'm talking back i'm a woman so but then also to find out she's a part of like healthcare, yeah a part of like actually providing a service to british yeah. to the west like it's, well and it's also just a lesson in that any religion no matter what it is 
there's so many different levels to the beliefs yeah. and there's so many different ways that you can believe in practice yeah, so like, it's 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 very foolish to look at any religion and assume you know the beliefs of yeah. that person i think there are like what forty thousand religions or something there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot and the core tenet of almost all of them is yo be nice be a nice person that's yeah. the main thing and i think people just want to read the other parts they want to skip the be nice part and want to figure out what's the cheat code how can yeah. i game the system you can't be nice it does make you think this movie yeah it stuck with me. I'm glad I watched it. I am kind of... I am really glad I watched it. It was I'm, very good. I'm glad it took so long for me to watch it in a weird way. I don't... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I would have found it as funny. Like I said, like when it debuted at Sundance, nobody laughed, apparently. People walked out of the theater and they uh, like went up to Riz Ahmed and they're like, that was devastating. And he thought, I, I don't think they understood the movie. I don't think they got it. Yeah. And then so when it debuted in the UK, then that's when they were like, okay this might be a hit. This could be something. <laughs> because then they were like, these audiences get what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. But like, if even the Sundance audience doesn't get it, mm. yeah, that's a sign Americans well, are going to have a hard time with this movie. But that is also something about this movie is that it is very British. The yes. style of humor. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Oh my gosh, something we didn't talk about is their neighbor. The neighbor. I I love and hate those scenes. I don't know what to think of I it. I like it because I like that she... You know, like in in a, in a country where people can be Islamophobic, she has no problem talking to them, buddying mm-hmm. up with them. She's not scared of them. She doesn't think anything of them. And she's always kind of hanging around and snooping in and being like, what's up, guys? And then like when she stumbles upon all their stuff, all the makings yeah. of the bomb. They're terrified that she's found she's them out. And she's like, I know what's going on here. I know and what you are. basically says, you're gay. And they're like, uh, yep. yep, we that's are. That's what we are, all and five of us. That's really funny, but then the extra joke of her going, you fellows aren't my friends anymore. And yep. she like, walks out and you're like, well, she's not Islamophobic. She's just homophobic. She's just homophobic. Which, uh, <laughs> it was really good. Uh, I, I love any of those jokes. Like they're the the ones that are like they make you laugh and then also just shake your head and are sad. Like yeah. it reminds me of a, a good one from Brooklyn Nine Nine where the um the captain of the police force is gay and black and mentions like back in the eighties when he was growing up his partner was only homophobic, which is pretty good for the eighties. Wow. <laughs> like he he wasn't racist and homophobic. Just <laughs> wow. Uh. Yeah, but man. Um, how would you recommend? How would you recommend this movie to people? Who would you recommend <laughs> it to? Because I think that's the trouble. Like, I would recommend it to people that I think are intelligent, which yeah, is kind I of think, a weird thing to say. That like, but no, I think you, in a way, who want to watch movies to think, because yes. I think there yes. are crowds of people like my brother is an extremely intelligent person that wants to turn his brain off when he watches a movie. Yeah. He and does okay. not want and to honestly, think. honestly, I think that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. He would hate this. Yeah. He wouldn't understand it and would not like it. Well, it's, it's, you have to keep checking yourself while you're watching it. You have to be like, wait, okay, these guys are terrorists. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're and, lovable. Well, and yeah, it's one of those things where you're laughing at them and with them. Yes. 
And then you don't want to feel bad for laughing at Waj. Yeah. Who is like clearly not that smart. But like at the same time, they're trying to bomb people. So yeah, I would would recommend (laughs) it to people that I know like um, dark comedies. I think if you like what we do in the shadows, you would like this. I think you could get into it. Yeah, that's I think probably the closest comparison for Americans that there's just not anything that touches upon this. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, are you ready to guess your word? Ooh, I would love to. Okay, so this is actually a British phrase. And this was sent in by Julie. And the phrase is, I'm a mushroom. I'm a mushroom. Yeah, so tell me what you think it means for someone to uh, say that. What are they saying? I think right off the bat, this has got to be Cockney rhyming slang. Like. Okay, what does mushroom rhyme with? Um, Groom. <laughs> Oh. So, like, if you're a mushroom, you're somebody who's getting ready to get married. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, like, I think so. But it's got to be a specific kind of groom, right? But they don't always rhyme with the whole word. So, like, maybe it's like, I'm a nervous groom. I'm a mushroom. And so, like, you know if somebody, if your mate is a mushroom. Yeah. Like, they, you got to talk him into it. Like, don't be nervous, man. Like, you, you love this woman. You want to get married. I'm a mushroom mate. I'm, a I'm mus- all mushroomed up. Okay. All yeah. right. Interesting guess. In- I'm a groom. It's in- mushroom. It's, in- it's incorrect. What um, is it? So according to Julie, she says, I'm a mushroom. Essentially, this is a phrase that is used to complain that no one ever tells you anything. <laughs> I.e., you're kept in the dark and fed bullshit, just like an actual mushroom. I love that. It's a common phrase in the workplace. You might hear... No one ever tells us anything. We're all mushrooms around here. I love that. It's genius. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Especially, yeah, you're kept in the dark and fed (laughs) shit. (laughs) It's it's really good. And it reminds me of nobody tells me nothing. (laughs) That reminds me of a lot of the, like, the kind of sayings that Southerners have in the U.S. Like, I feel like there's a lot of those Mm -hmm. words where you're just like, well, it's like this because of this. Yeah, you're right. It does kind of have that very clever. Oh, interesting. Kept in the dark and feed me shit. This was an interesting (laughs) episode. Thank you to anyone who listened. Yeah, if you've listened this far, thank you. I know it's heavy subject matter. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the movie, check it out. And if you have, I hope we kind of talked about it in the right way. I don't know. The tone of this movie is... It's it's wild. It's a lot. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. You can write to us at anglophilespodcast at gmail.com. Files with an F. We're also um, on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Nope. I think, uh, All I right, think everyone, that's it. Thanks for joining us. Keep calm. And remember... Rubber dinghy rapids, bro. Bro. Bro.